This is Off the Red Carpet with George Pinocchio, sponsored by Mercedes-Benz. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Off the Red Carpet. I'm George Pinocchio, and today I'm sitting down with Norman Aladjum. He's a talent manager, a producer, and most recently, he's the author of From Me to You. Now, it's a book made up of letters he wrote to his daughter, Mackenzie, about various life lessons, questions, and affirmations that he wanted to ensure she knew. This is a big project that you're doing for your daughter and for your readers. Yes. Um, Well, it started funny enough. A lot of people have asked me, how did you set out to become an author? And I didn't really set out to become an author. I set out to write letters to my daughter because by the time my youngest daughter was born, I was already a bit of an older dad. And of course, nothing is given. And so by the time she was maybe 10 or 11 years old, there's so much that I wanted to tell her. And of course, when you're a 10-year-old kid, you don't have the capacity, the interest, Your dad's annoying, all those things. And so I thought, well, I'm going to write her a letter a week for a year, just with whatever comes to my mind about love, life, family, how to get a bigger allowance, as the the title (laughs) suggests. And then I wrote the first uh, letter, and then it was time to write the second letter, and I was completely stumped. I had no idea. I was facing the blank page. I did not know what to write. And so I decided that to hold myself accountable, I would post the letter on my Facebook page, and then I literally wrote, I'll be writing a letter every week for a year, look for it here, so that I would be embarrassed if I didn't do it. And so I went through and I wrote a letter a week for a year. Now we should let people know that your daughter is someone they may know if they watch television, right? Yes, yes. My daughter, Mackenzie, Mackenzie Aladjum, is a uh, working actress. She was a series regular on Nurse Jackie for seven years, the Showtime series. She played Edie Falco's youngest daughter. And uh, and she's done a lot of other projects. She actually was a series regular for about a year and a half on All My Children before the soap went out. Um, she was in the Matthew McConaughey movie, Lincoln Lawyer, which you know my wife was on set every single day when Matthew was there. Uh, <laughs> uh, and she literally started very young. When she was seven years old, she was in the national Broadway tour of Annie. Uh, touring around. There are so many people I interview in show business who will tell me, oh, I'd never let my kid do this. They can decide that when they're 18. You and your wife decided it was an okay place for your daughter to be. What was it about your daughter that said she belongs in front of a camera? Well, what it was, was that she would not take no for an answer. I did not want her to do it. And I, as, as you said in the introduction, I work in the entertainment industry. I know kid actors. It's rarely fun. Uh, and I did not want her to do it. It's actually not the childhood I envisioned for her, but she seems so passionate about it, and she just she would not be stopped. And as you know, as my wife, who's really the wise one of the two of us, said, it's so hard in life at any age to find something that you're truly passionate about. If she's passionate, who are we to tell her not to do it? There's a lot of logic in that answer right there, Norman. Okay, so obviously writing a letter a week for a year, you have to come up with these 52 topics, right? Yes, yes. So how did you decide what to write about each week to fill 52 letters with important lessons for your daughter to learn? Sometimes there was something in my head that I wanted to write about, and so I would just sit down and write that. Sometimes I had no idea what I was going to write about. It's very interesting because I'm, I mean, I like to say I'm an accidental author. I never really set out to, to write. Uh, I don't know how people do it. Uh, sometimes I would look at the page and think I have no idea what I'm going to say this week, and I would just start writing. And somehow, something would be birthed. It was really, really quite an experience for me as well. I can tell you. 
I know a favorite chapter of mine, but is there one particular letter that is a personal favorite of yours of these year-long journey of yours? You know, it's like having kids. I like them all for different reasons. <laughs> Uh, there are some that move me more than others. There's some that amuse me more than others. I love the letter that I wrote her on the birds and the bees uh, because as a father trying to tell his daughter about that subject that was awkward and embarrassing, and I think I captured that in a humorous way in the letter. All right. Well, I actually wrote that down here. We have that because we're going to let people know that you're really um, blunt in the yes. way you spoke to your daughter about that. So. Sex is always a difficult topic, and you wrote, don't let anyone convince you that sex is bad. Don't let anyone convince you that sex is not for the woman's enjoyment or pleasure. Don't let anyone convince you that sex is shameful or should be hidden from light or is in any way abnormal, no matter what crazy fantasies titillate you. So very rarely do we hear something like that. How old do you want her to be when she really understands what you're telling her? 50. <laughs> <laughs> But if you know, in that letter, I also say, right, because I do say that, and I believe that with all my heart. Um, but I also say, you know, never, 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 never tell me any of that. <laughs> right. I understand that, too. Yes. Yeah, I get it. Absolutely. So each letter not only poaches an idea, but you give this great context and you have anecdotes to go along with it that are really points that I'm sure hit home for Mackenzie. So, for example, you make references to movies, scientific experiments, news stories, significant historical quotes. Did you do a lot of research with each letter, or was it just something that's been in your head waiting to come out? Mostly it's just, believe it or not, something that's been in my head waiting to come out. Sometimes I would do some research to check myself, to make sure that I wasn't saying something that was patently wrong. Um, but again, remember, I was writing letters to her. I was not writing for the general public. So I wasn't thinking, oh, I should research this and Google that. You know, it was mostly really the things that were in my mind and hard to say. But you're writing to her and you clearly love her and you want what is best for her, but you're sharing this. So my question then becomes, are you hoping more of the young ladies or, or boys and girls read this and get something out of it? Or is it more for the dads like you who say, I should let my kid read this. Both. One of the most fulfilling, I will tell you this, one of the most fulfilling things as this has now gotten out, and even it was a blog before it was a book, and it was widely read. And what I have found and has been very fulfilling to me is that, especially young people, young men, young women, uh, who don't necessarily have kids, have said to me, this is wonderful, I wish my father had written to me or my mother had written letters to me. And people who are parents have said to me, oh my gosh, I should start writing letters to my kids. So in a way, I guess if you're a parent or have ever had a parent, you're the target audience for this book. So I wrote down that chapter 25 is what kind of killed me. Which one it's is that? It's called Playing God. Oh, yes. And for anyone who's ever owned a pet, we know what it is to go through having to say goodbye. And you do that very poignantly with your dog, Dixie. And it brought tears to my eyes. I don't know what it must have been like for you writing it or what it would have been like for your family to read it. But you did it with such grace that it is a beautiful chapter in the book. Thank you. It's actually, it's funny. You, you have picked out the chapters that speak to me. That chapter, when I, I remember vividly writing that chapter. Sometimes I would go and write at a Starbucks somewhere, just sit in a chair away from familial distractions and write. When I was writing that chapter, I remember sitting in a Starbucks, and as I was writing, I was bawling like a baby. 
and wondering what in the world people watching me would be thinking. And even now, you know, one of the wonderful things is uh, the book is also an audible, shameless plug. That's okay. Um, and, plug away. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And so uh, a month or two ago, I got to go in and record uh, these letters. And I said to the sound engineer, look, I know you haven't read this. I just want to warn you that, you know, eight, ten times during the course of this, I'm going to start crying. And sure enough, I did. And that was one of them. That one always really moves me to tears. I, I understand. And people will understand when they read it. Okay, here's my big setup to the next question. Yes. You tell the story of Whitney Houston and how you watched her star power rise, right? And it was rapid and it was through all these music and film ventures that she was involved in. Yet you talk about her demise and her loss of talent due to addiction. And as a father who has a daughter in the entertainment industry, you mentioned that this common outcome of child stars scares you quite a bit. So how do you go about parenting Mackenzie, who continues to be an actress, in such a way that will prevent any kind of traumatic downfall in her life? Well, look, if I had the answer to that question, uh, funny enough, because you were asking earlier about how I came up with the topics, this topic came up because um, while during the year that I was writing these letters, Whitney died, unfortunately. And so we were talking about her at the dinner table. Um, look, it's very challenging because the artist's life, having, you know, because of what I do for a living, having represented artists for many years myself, you see the both sides of what an artist is the high, very high highs, the very low lows. Artists, almost by definition, are very in touch with their feelings. Um, and look, I worry for Mackenzie, I do, that she be she be able to navigate that difficult arena and enjoy herself and make a living out of it if that's what she wants but not get caught up in you know some of the downsides of it but you're letting her know you're worried at a young age and that also is just like an open line of communication so she knows that you and your wife are always there if she comes to that fork in the road that is a little bit scary what we want her to know is that we are there and she can talk to us, you know. The, the, the Whitney Houston piece goes to the bigger issues right. of fame and all those things, but it's no different than when she goes out with her friends and we say, if you're out and it gets dangerous, I don't care what you're doing, even, we don't want you drinking, but if even if, whatever it is, you call us, we're there for you. So has Mackenzie let you know, and know in certain terms, how she feels about this now being a book that's out there for all to read? Well, Mackenzie is now 16 and a half. She's going to be 17 in September. And so she's a teenager. She's too cool for school. Uh, her dad annoys her to no end. That would be me. Yes. Uh, but I think that she's actually happy and proud. And she actually, it's funny, the book came out on Tuesday. Uh, she actually posted it to her social media. Unlike me, she has a lot of social media followers. Um, but so it, it was very gratifying to me. She seems to enjoy it. You call her in the book, my sweet daughter. You in let her letter. know. In that, every letter. Right. And you let her, let her know how much you love her. And a lot of times guys have a harder time expressing that emotion. And you're really very easy with that. And I think that's really a lovely character trait to have. Was it always like that for you too? Yes. Uh, for me and my daughters, yes. I will tell you, you know, I grew up in a different culture. My father... I don't think I ever said I love you until I was well into my adulthood. I'm sure he did. It was a different mm -hmm. generation and whatever. But I have learned in my life that it's very important to tell the people you love how much you love them because you don't know what tomorrow brings. I'm going to bring up something that you don't touch on and see if I can squeeze something out of you. Are you ready? 
it's chapter, maybe there's a sequel coming. It's chapter 18, <laughs> Friendship. Oh, yes. You, stare, you share these stories about your life, but you could be guarded. And you had this very best friend in your life, Jeff, mm -hmm. in college. He's yes. since passed. And at one point in that chapter, you say, we came close to being arrested together. Don't ask. Yes. I'm asking. Don't ask. Really? <laughs> we were young. We were in college. <laughs> Whoa. So there is a sequel there, maybe. Maybe there's a sequel. I can't wait to tell you all about it. <laughs> but you can't say anything now because perhaps the statute isn't, <laughs> I don't know, up or well, That would be a new movie. But here's what, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. My little daughter, Jamie, who I adore, when she was about 17 or 18 years old, she came to us and she said to my wife and I, I want to get a tattoo. And my wife said, absolutely not. You cannot get a tattoo. And Jamie said, but you have one. So <laughs> I'm not telling you what that was all about. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm not going to ask Thank you for asking. Anymore. Um, you mentioned that you count your life expectancy in Mackenzie years, yes. which is a really, um, I don't know, a moment that you say, yes, I get that. I get it very much. Do you think that other older parents will relate to your idea? Well, I think they will. You know, I think when you have a kid in your 20s, you, you, you still think you're immortal and that you're going to be around. The whole thing about parenting, I don't know if you have kids, the whole thing about parenting is you want to see how it all turns out. Right. That's the thing, right? So if you have a kid when you're already a little bit older, it's not a given. That's my very first chapter. I say why I'm writing you these letters. You don't, it's not a given that you're going to be around to see how it all turns out. But I think that most parents would understand that notion. At least I do, anyway, it worked for me. Did your wife at all help you with your letters, or was it strictly daddy doing every word? Daddy did every word. Uh, my wife, Laura, who is an amazing wife and an even more amazing mom, really encouraged me to do it. Uh, as I say in the book, I think at some point, because it was, she thought it was a good idea, and at some point just to get me out of her hair. Um, <laughs> so she was very encouraging. She would read the letters. Um, she was a good barometer of how they were, whether she was laughing or crying or watching TV. You know, those were the it. things I looked for. But the the moments in this in this book where you are opening your heart up, which is pretty much almost every chapter, were those the most difficult paragraphs to write because you laid yourself so bare? I don't know that they were difficult to write because I wanted to lay myself bare for my family and wanted them to know. You know, there's an old saying uh, when I was a kid, my mom used to say, death ends a life, but not necessarily a relationship. I never want to be in a situation where my family doesn't know how I felt about them, how I cared about them. That wasn't hard. The hardest letter, going to something you were saying earlier, the hardest letter to actually write was the letter about the death of my sister because I wrote it as she was dying. Mm -hmm. And so, number one, to try to explain to her what that all means, but coming to grips with it myself. No, that's tough. Yeah. Death is tough. I know. I, I, I've been through that with family. I get it. Okay. You say that you and your wife are not conventionally religious, right? Yes. But throughout the book, you mention God yes. and the way he's kind of interjected into your life. So, one example is you get into a fight with your daughter. It doesn't sit well. And then you say that God put a spider in her room, and all of a sudden she needed you, and the entire fight had kind of just evaporated. So although you're not conventionally religious, how important a role do you hope faith will play in Mackenzie's life? I hope it will play a large role in her life, and faith plays a large role in my life. Not conventionally religious does not mean 
I don't believe in God or I don't believe in faith or I don't have faith. Um, I've struggled with the conventional religions in terms of which is right, which is wrong. Um, but no, I hope that faith will play a big part in her life. I think that faith often gets us through difficult times. Okay, so here's something. Mackenzie's 11. There are reference points, um, the 2016 election, 2012 in Aurora, Colorado, the theater shooting. Mm. Did you go back and kind of just update things that you'd written so it was um, more workable for your book? Yeah, well, when, the, when, it, when we sold it as a book, I obviously reread the book with an eye towards people reading it in 2018. And there were a couple of there were a couple of the letters to your point that talk about the, obviously in 2012 I couldn't be talking about the 2016 election, so there were that letter. There's two or three where I just updated a little. You made bit. it more current, and yeah. the the thought is the same. Yes, yeah, yes, got it. Yeah. Okay. Now, after reading all of these letters, um, is Mackenzie? Do you think impacted in a great way, a loving way, um, a quiet way? What has she told you? Well, you'll have to ask her that question, and as a little actress, I'm sure she'll have plenty to say. Um, you know, I think the real impact of this book on her will probably be known in 10 or 20 years when she's a fully shaped adult, because I think a lot of those letters, even now, although she can read them and appreciate them and savor them and laugh and cry and whatever, I don't think they can have the same impact as they will when she's... 30. Well, at one point you write this great line, don't just exist, my sweet daughter, live. So if you had a crystal ball, what would your ultimate dream be for Mackenzie's life? Happiness. Happiness and fulfillment. And you are a guy who is very successful in what you do. You didn't have to do your blog. You didn't have to write this book. And sometimes I think there's a calling or a need. What was it with you? Uh, you know... I think when I think back on my own childhood, and you know, my mom has now passed away, my father fortunately is still alive, I think back on what did they think of me? Did they really love me? What happened when I screwed up? Did they, what did that mean to them? And so I wanted to share that with her, and I wanted her to know, I mean, you said it earlier, really, I wanted her to know what is in my heart, how much I love her and her sisters, how much I love my wife, and that happiness, you know, is everything. Do you think there will just be many common threads to the average reader of this book? Like I told you, like the dog chapter certainly connected with me, but do you think that's going to be the case where everyone is going to see something in their own lives? Well, yes. And one of the very interesting things about the book is, you know, you, you, the letters are not general letters. They're not letters of, oh, young women should do this and young boys should do that. <laughs> very personal. They're very personal. They're very specific. And yet many, many people, when it was a blog and now it's a book, have come to me and said the themes in the books were so universal. It really spoke to me. I'll give you one example. While I was writing the blog, about three or four months in, a friend of mine, not a not a big personal friend, but a friend, a business acquaintance, Facebook friend of mine, calls me up one day about three or four months in and said, I just want to tell you I love your blog. Your blog has saved my life. And I said, oh, thank you. That's nice of you. And he said, no, no, you're not hearing me. Your blog has saved my life. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you don't really know this because we're not that close. But over the last year or two, I have had some very difficult times in my life, professionally, personally, financially, death in the family, etc. And really the last few months I've just been thinking, the pain is too much, I should just end it all. 
and it's because I was I was posting every week. Right. Said, so, and every time I would feel that I would read one of your letters, and I would say, "Oh my God, there's so much love in the world. There's so much love for my family. I can't disappoint them. I want to stay." And so you've saved my life. I mean that, that. That's immortality. That's fantastic. Yeah. You're also in a position in your work where you need to always be direct. And talking yes. to you right now, I hear a real directness. I am you that. know how to answer a question, you answer it, you're not hiding, you're not veering around the corner trying to come up with something else. You just, you, you say it as it is. Yes. Um, but my job, I represent artists. My job is to help make them great. And I think if I can't tell them, in a good way, what they need to hear, uh, and have them know that I care about them. You know that sound bite, right? Mm -hmm. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I want to do both for, for the people I work with and for the people in my life. That's very lovely. Now, is this a one-off? Is this one book, or did you have so much fun that you're going to venture into the world of fiction? Well, <laughs> I had tons of fun. I had tons of fun. My guess is it's probably a one-off, since I feel like I have nothing left to say to anyone after that. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. I think that you uh, did the right thing and that you know that you had something you wanted to impart to this world and you use um, Mackenzie as your point of, I think, reference so her life maybe will be better or she'll feel more security as she goes through it knowing her father cares so deeply, right? I hope so. From your mouth to God's ears, <laughs> as my grandma used to say. Your book, From Me to You, Stories About Life, Love, Family, Faith, and How to Negotiate a Bigger Allowance from Norman Elagium is available where? It's available in bookstores, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Audible if you want to actually hear me tell, read the stories. You, you are a great interviewer. I'm sure you are a, a beautiful reader in your book. Thank you. I had so much fun. And thank you for having me. What a treat. I loved having you here. So when you write that sequel, I'm here. All right, I'm here. come on back. I'm here. <laughs> the book you heard Norman say it. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Off the Red Carpet. I'm George Pinocchio, and you'll hear me again next week. Thank you, George. Thanks for having me. Thank you.